0: Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm extremely excited for this week's episode with the one and only Garen Jones. Garen is a fascinating individual. He has hit rock bottom and risen again time and time again. He moved from being imprisoned in France, uh, sentenced to over a decade, to um, a period in time where he lived out of his car for two years, and is now a multiple seven-figure entrepreneur. He has met the love of his life and just is about to celebrate his first year of marriage and is moving to a new city. And as many of us go through challenges uh, amidst this pandemic and recession, I always think it's valuable to think about, excuse me, who are the folks that have transcended profound challenges and difficulties? And... Garen, I think, is a great exemplification of what is possible when you change your mindset and how that change in mindset can have profound implications on your life. I think you're going to get tremendous value out of this conversation. I've gotten phenomenal feedback uh, from our IG Live. Um, I want to encourage anyone, if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe. And if you can, leave a quick rating and review on iTunes. Uh, It's helping me get you phenomenal guests. And I have some very, very big plans for 2021 and committed to bring you guys as much value as possible. So I I thank you so much for listening. I'm sending you so much love. Uh, Garen was in a hotel and we were recording remotely. So please be patient. There are a couple glitches, but I spent a couple hours uh, making this audio as good as possible. I think the message and content will resonate profoundly. So without further ado, it's my great pleasure to introduce the one, the only, Garen Jones. All right. Garen Jones, I've been looking forward to this conversation, my man. It's it's good to have you on the show. Um, So for those listening, um, you have reinvented yourself on numerous occasions, and I think we are recording this episode in the year 2020. Uh, it's, been a, it's, been a, it's been a strong year, shall we say, for many people. Um, one that has called for a significant amount of pivoting and of reinvention. And a lot of folks, uh, whether it's as a result of coronavirus directly or as a result of the lockdowns, etc., have, have been sort of confronted with the existential question of what next, if you will. And one of the things I love about uh, your story is, and I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave you to share it. I don't want to, uh, obviously, that's your story, so I'd love for you to own it. But in the context of your upbringing in terms of where you came from and challenges as it relates to, um, you know, your dad uh, and, and then, you know, sort of the context of prison and then where you are now. Uh, And you and I just spoke actually uh, last week and you're with your beautiful wife headed to a new, new reality in Austin, Texas, Uh, incredible new home. But you have been, you know, to say you've been at rock bottom, I think would be an understatement. And I think um, the fact that you've, you've perpetually redefined yourself and, and created these mindset tools to, to enable you to move through these challenging times is something I'm, I'm very inspired by. So I'd love it if you start by giving the audience just a little bit of context for those who may not be familiar with your story, on um, the context in which you uh, you grew up, and, um, and and let's start there, and then and then perhaps go into sort of the what I would say was a seminal moment, which was the context of how you um, wound up in prison and, as I understand it, homeless. And then from there, we'll go into uh, where you are now, which is a very different circumstance in a very different context. And uh, I'd love to take people on that on that journey.
1: OK, cool. Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me on your show. Um, it's people like you that that, that that give stories like mine wings to fly. So I acknowledge you for even creating the space for this conversation to happen. Um, and in regards to my story, I just want to make one disclaimer. And this is something that I'm also even starting to reshare from a different perspective is I was never homeless. I was houseless. So I lived in my car for two and a half years. I lived in an abandoned building, sleeping on bubble rack. But for me, that was my home. So I was never homeless. I was houseless for two and a half years. Um, So I'm going to take you guys back to my story. You know, there, there's pivotal moments that has brought me to where I am today. And, and I just give an extreme amount of gratitude to my mom because she never gave me anything. At the time, you know, being five and six years old, I, I, I was like, my mom doesn't love me. She doesn't give me what I want. She's not the best mom. But, you know, I didn't know at the time that the parents aren't given a blueprint on how to raise kids. You just figure it out as you go and um i remember asking my mom i was like mom can you get me these jordans they were a 150 fifty dollar pair of shoes she says whenever you can make your own money you can buy whatever you want so in that moment as a six-year-old i created a lemonade stand i used to go door to door asking people if i can wash their car if they told me no i asked them if if, if If, you know, if I could mow their lawns and as a five and six year year old, I was domesticating myself with what I now know is entrepreneurship and no one ever gave me anything. However, I didn't understand that as a five and six year old. I had no idea that now the tools that I have to be able to create and design whatever kind of life I want started as a mastery of a five and six year old now i'm almost 42 years young and i've been practicing this over and over and over but you can't change without awareness so i never had the awareness that this was my mastery of creating an ideal life now pivot that i said i wanted to be a superhero and i wanted to have abs like an action figure i wanted to be stronger than the average man and, you know, I want to save and change people's lives all over the world. Now, name one superhero that didn't have to overcome a life of trials and tribulations in order to understand their powers. So fast forward me being five years old saying I want to be a superhero my whole life. I actually called in all of these what I now call my, um, I call them character building opportunities, but I used to say, (laughs) why is life so hard for me? Why is it such a struggle? Why do I have to go through all these different things? God, why do I feel like I'm living 20, 30 different people's lives and I'm just calling it in, but I'm only knowing this. And as I connect the dots, look, looking backwards on the last 30 years of my life, realizing that me going to prison and figuring out a way to adapt and adjust according to what I felt life was throwing at at me, Um, me living in my car for two and a half years. Mind you, I was in prison for two and a half years. I lived in my car for two and a half years, learning how to adapt and adjust according to what I felt like life was throwing at me. I also, once I got into business, took me two and a half years to become a seven-figure earner and understand, but notice the pattern of two and a half years, two and a half years living in my car, two and a half years living, uh, two and a half years in prison, two and a half years understanding the process of growth, two and a half years when I said I wanted to get, earn the trust back of my daughter, two and a half years, I attracted my soulmate. There was a pattern of two and a half years, and there was a series of things that I was learning throughout that entire process. And when you look back on my life, I realized that every single time it took me two and a half years of almost like life schooling for me to understand that I needed to become a bigger person to outgrow my current circumstance, kind of like in school, every year around the same time you take a test that determines if you're ready to go to the next level. And if you fail the test, you stay on the same, you stay in the same grade. So it was a two and a half year process for me to take a test, go to the next level of my life And what I thought was rock bottom was only me fighting to stay inside of my comfort zone. And it took me two and a half years to learn and learn and learn, unfortunately. But fortunately for me, I had to learn the hard way to get me to go out of my comfort zone, which life was throwing everything, saying, I'm trying to test you so I can get you to go to the next level for me to be like, oh, time to go. Now we're here in my next level, two and a half years. There's me and my wife now. Now we're creating ways to have babies. Now we're, I'm, we're moving to Austin, Texas. So this whole entire journey was a little five-year-old who said he wanted to be a superhero, have abs like an action figure, you know, be stronger than the average man, and save and change people's lives all over the world. And that's where I am right now.
0: Well, I I like that you draw the distinction of, for me, what two and a half years evokes is this context almost of seasons. Because I think one of the challenges that people have as we, as we really consider, if we're in a place that we're not entirely content with, right? Like if, if we know something in us, like there's, there's something driving for a change or a transformational context, oftentimes we, it's, 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 there's, there's sort of this barrier to entry of, of projecting into the future and all these different things before we would have seasons, I think that would often kind of accentuate the, the inner, the inner conversation around moving, you know, into these new seasons in life. And now I feel like, in a way, time has sort of reified anew and we're we're less kind of in the rhythm of the sun and the season and more in the tweets and the in- Instagrams and all of these different things. And so I think at times we forget that true transformational change in the context of, you know, I was, you know, like in, in your case, you're talking about you were in prison. I actually want to tap into that because there's a piece you talk about where you shared, for example. Uh, that you reached out to when you were in prison to 200 people and only seven people wrote you back. And one of the things, and the reason I want to tap into that is I think it's so important because one of the things I've been really considering lately, having moved through my own seasons uh, uh, from New York to Los Angeles, now I'm also considering uh, a pivot, is who are the people That see you through those seasons, you know, and some people are only in your life for a season. Some people, you know, you enter into a new context with or you create space for for new for new folks. But I think it's only in our it's oftentimes only and unfortunately in our challenges. And I think many of us have encountered that over this year that we see who our true people are. And one of the things I've observed about you, Garen, that I want to acknowledge you for is you seem to be a magnet for good people. You seem to seem you seem to now attract good people in your life. I've I've seen you sort of on hikes with other people I know and respect. And I'm like, okay, Garen's like definitely attracting in the good, the good folks. But take me back, if you will, just to sort of get context on this. Tell us a little bit of how you wound up for those listening in prison and what it was like when you found yourself. In that, I would imagine incredibly challenging context in another country, looking at seemingly, you know, endless amount of confinement. And when you wrote all the people, I mean, imagining, because you were you were very, in the tr- conventional sense of the word, you were kind of on the, you know, you had billboards and Times Square, you had these various things, but... All of a sudden, it's, it probably felt very lonely and very – very uh, I can only imagine. So can you take me back to that time because I think it will set people up who are listening in a good way for some of the tools you've now, now utilized to totally change your circumstance?
1: So I've always heard from other people to leave the past in the past. Mm. And when I tried to do that, what I realized that I was also leaving all the lessons I could be – Taking with me into the present, and once you can't change what you're not aware of. So, if I wasn't aware that the past was trying to give me lessons to prepare me for the future, then my new future will be a recreation of my past. Mm. And if I wasn't happy, then I'm going to keep cre- recreating things in my life that evoke that feeling of unhappiness. So prison, what I want to reiterate for a lot of people, just because I was in prison physically doesn't mean that you can't relate because if you're in a relationship that you know you don't want to be in and you feel like you're on lockdown that's prison. If you're in a job, nine to five job that pays you less than your value and you call another man or a woman a boss and you know you don't want to be there, that's prison. And so uh, contextually, we all pretty much mentally go through the same things, but on the surface, it may feel different. So I want to bring that into the context as I go into the prison story. And when you hear the prison story, I want you to also think about areas in your life where you know you're not, you're you're lesser self and you're just like, man, why am I still in this? And look at this as your form of prison. So before I went into prison, I used to always say, I feel like I'm so far away from where I'm supposed to be. I feel like I'm in jail inside of my own body. Next thing you know, I started getting into, even while I had billboards in Times Square, even while I had music videos out, people were like, why would you even do that? Because here's the thing, I was never taught how to make money or the discipline around it. All I was taught was when you can make your own money, you can do whatever it is that you want to do with it. So even when I was making money that made me feel good, Guess what? I would find other ways to make money, even if it was even if I knew it was wrong, because I never was taught any other way to make money. So while I had those billboards, I also had an uh, opportunity to earn extra income running drugs like smuggling. You know, I was driving a luxury vehicle from one country into the next. I didn't know what was inside, but I knew that I was doing something wrong but if you're going to pay me 4,000 pounds cash. And at that time it was, uh, uh, 2.3 us dollars to one pound. So that's 9,000 plus dollars. And I do it seven times within two months. I've never had that fast cash before. And so I did that. This was back in 2002, 2003. And, um, You know, I ended up in prison, and while I was in prison, you know, I I said to myself, um, it's like, how did I get in here? Like, I'm getting magazines while I'm in prison, and there's literally campaigns of me and Wilson's Leather and things like that inside of the magazines. I'm like, yo, what? how did I get in here? So we were able to watch um, Shawshank Redemption. And it was, we were able to watch movies once a month. And T- Tim Robbins says, they can take anything they want away from me. and But they can't take away my mind. And in that moment, I was like, wait a second. I know why I'm in prison. I asked for it. I said, I feel like I'm so far away from where, I, where I'm supposed to be, like I'm in jail inside of my own body. And if I can mentally put myself in prison till it becomes a physical reality, could I mentally become free regardless of my circumstance? Mm -hmm. So in that moment, I felt the feeling, feeling is the secret. I felt the feeling of what it means to be free. And the only way I know to relate to being free is to do everything that I love, so I remembered that I love to sing. I remember that I love to motivate people. I remember that I love to create and draw. And I started bringing all of that to the prison, regardless of what was going on. I got popped for 6.2 kilos of heroin. They tested those drugs three times. But when I assume the behavior of a free person, I'm serving a 12-year sentence. I'm on my second year. When I became free in my mind and I started motivating people and doing everything that I loved, it's kind of like pouring uh, um, water into a, a container. When it over, when it spills over and overflows into the next container, here's what happened. I started pouring love, so much love inside of myself, it spilled over into the prison. And that was my representation of freedom. Out of nowhere, they said, "Jones, you're free to go." We retested the drugs, and the drugs were fake. To this day, nobody knows how that happened, but they they tested, and the the amount of drugs that were in there, they said ninety percent of it is fake, or eighty percent—I don't remember—but eighty percent of it is fake. So for the time. Uh, Of the drugs that were already in there You've already done your time So you're free to go So I realized I put myself in there And I realized I took myself out And what that taught me was No matter what the circumstance is The feeling is the secret And when you become And you see yourself A certain way What manifests Is the physical equivalent Of a direct reflection Of how you see yourself In any situation Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. What you evoked for me was so Shawshank Redemption actually is one of my favorite films. And the scene that to me is so demonstrative of this concept, which you've just brought up, is there's a scene where there, and, and many who are, well, if you haven't watched the film, you've got to watch it, but when they're on the roof and, and, yeah. uh, and Robin says to the guard, and he almost, he almost gets killed as a result, but he basically says, you trust your wife. And the guys like, of course, the guard was like, uh, definitely not someone you mess with. And he almost pushed him off the roof. But he said, because if you do, you can make a tax. But anyway, long story short, in that context, he said, I'm happy to do your taxes, you know, like and but what I want is two beers and one hour for each of the guys on this roof. He didn't even drink it himself. But what he wanted to do was to create a context of freedom for all of those around him. And it was so – it's one of my favorite scenes in any motion picture because it was such a testament to that context, right, where you are, you are theoretically uh, and, 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 you know, in real life, you know, you've had your freedoms taken away from you. Yet he created a context whereby he not only created freedom for himself – but he did so through creating freedom for those around him. So again, it's sort of that leading of, and the feeling, and you could tell it viscerally, and the reason I bring it up is because it's something anyone can can watch and tap into, but the feeling, he didn't even drink those beers himself. The feeling of witnessing all those around him having for that moment, that hour, that sense of being a bird, that sense of being free was... It was it, you could tell it was foundational in his context in his thinking. It was like it was it was the epiphany, and so I, lo- I love I love that you shared that because uh, it, it's so evocative for me.
1: Well, one thing I wanted I, I didn't get to mention was when I got back to drawing, mm. other people were saying, "Can you draw pictures? Can you draw a portrait of my family?" And I would draw a portrait of their families and they were crying. There was like, well, can I get you anything? I'm like, nah, in my head, I was like, I just want you to be happy. And when I started, when I started uh, singing, I would like sing, and other inmates would me, like every time you sing, it makes me feel free. So I would sing every night and bring what I love to do, and it was bringing joy to other people. It was to the point where I was focused more on the feeling that I had that I forgot that I was in prison. And even in 30 days, mind you, nobody you in the morning they have this thing called promenade. That's it's it's where people they work out and all these things. I've seen fights. I've seen people stabbed. I've seen drug deals whenever I would go out to the yard one hour in the morning, two hours in the afternoon. Well, guess what? A little voice says, run. You love to run. Nobody else was running. So guess what? In 30 days, I had 60 inmates running with me. To the mm. point where the guard brought me in the room. He said, since you've been running, there's been less fights, less drug deals, less people getting hurt and everything. And I was like, oh, that's that same thing. I brought what I loved and I gave it out to other people. So what I feel happened, you know how babies are consumed? What's, what grows on the inside is too Conceived, big. you mean.
0: Yes. Yeah, conceived.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> conceived. It's too big for the womb. Mm. So then it has to be pushed into the next realm. Mm. I think my value was too big for my body. So it overflowed into the prison, was too big for that body, the womb of the prison. And that value was too big that it had to overflow into the next realm called freedom. So what gave birth was free garen. Mm.
0: Okay, so let, let's get into this, because I think for myself and those, those listening, right? You, 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 earlier you made a statement, which was drawing the physical, the kind of the analogy between the context of prison as a physical experience, which you have experienced, and the mental prison many people are living out of, and... I think first, what, you're, what I'm hearing from you is that to, for, to get free actually in physical form, first you had to create a context to get free mentally. And you did that in many ways by focusing out, right? Like by singing or drawing without sort of expectation of return. So in that context, I think for the, you know, and I think this is, this is a really valuable distinction, But as many of us, there are areas where we feel in prison, right? We it's it's interesting to me to think about. We wake up every day, and oftentimes we live the same way, even though each day is like a restart. It's like the reset button. You can create, I mean, you know, within various contexts, you can create so much in the context of a day. Yet many of us, through the prison of our own stories feel that we have to live a certain way or we or or that we're 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 confined it's like the you know in in sri lanka i lived and there were elephants and when elephant these elephants were in captivity when they were children they would have these little chains around their 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 leg i mean it's terrible but that was the case right and so when they became huge elephants they actually could have easily torn that chain out but they had become so accustomed to that chain that they never tried because in their mind that chain was insurmountable, right? And I think that analogy draws true for many of us in our lives. Um, you know, uh, for me, I, just to make it personal, right? Like, and, and there's way bigger challenges that I've confronted uh, in my life. But, you know, it was interesting when I talked to you last week, it was about moving to Austin. And I've moved, you know, I've lived in Sri Lanka. I've lived in, I've lived all around the world. But f- right now, I'm, I know that where I'm living isn't, the exemplification of where I want to be but I feel in some ways in a prison in my own mind around the momentum of what it will take to get there even though I've done it so many times and I know that that can be relatable for other people where they know that there's a change they want to make but for whatever reason they're still feeling caught in the confines of that familiarity whether it's comfort or whether it's discomfort right what was it or what tools do you have and I and I know that this is something you you talk about because I've listened and been inspired how do you tr- how do you evoke in that in others that sense of possibility of transcending this this context of the prison that we hold within our minds right like how do we train ourselves for freedom first in the mind such that we can create a greater freedom in And context outside?
1: Well, one, um, I think that's a great question. One, most people think freedom is outside, real freedom is outside freedom. Mm -hmm. And it actually is not. The power to possess your own mind is... What I truly believe real freedom is. Because if you don't know why you do what you do, then you're trapped in somebody else's past. Mm. And so, me, it's more about giving people awareness. Because if you don't, you can't change without awareness. And if all you know is your perspective, you're going to try to fit everything that you learn inside of this little pee hole of everything that you know, and you can't grow to your fullest expression first without an open mind. So if you're closed into this, You block off all possibility of any other learning, any other lessons, any other um, different perspectives to look at. So my role is to at least give or share with people the awarenesses of how this even happened in the first place. So uh, a story that I share all the time, you take a little dog, okay? The dog has, he gets in the neighbor's yard, and then all of a sudden, the neighbor's like, I'm going to call the puppy pound on the dog if you don't keep your dog on a leash of pooping in my yard. Well, guess what? The, 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 the owner puts a little shock collar over the dog's neck, and then all of a sudden, the dog goes to the, the little electric fence, and it goes, bam, fear, pain, bam, fear, pain. Bam, fear, pain, fear, pain, fear, pain. So when that dog gets domesticated by fear and pain, it creates an invisible wall of fear, but because it has so much emotional content content um, that's associated with fear and pain, even when the owner removes the shock collar, mm-hmm. the moment it takes any risk, or tries to even go, it's going to associate fear and pain. Mm -hmm. So because it has that association of fear and pain for the rest of its life, it'll get to this invisible wall of fear, even without the shock, even being there because it's in their mind. So when I share this awareness, I encourage people do it afraid. Nine out of 10 millionaires failed their way to success because they take the most risk. You did it in kindergarten when you let go of your mom's hand. thing about it is you've retrained yourself to stay inside of your comfort zone and the bird will never know how far it can fly until it actually leaves the nest. You're still in the nest of your comfort zone, the nest of your fear, the nest of your insecurities, the nest of the alcohol or the drugs or the whatever it is that's easy for you to come by so when I share the value of what you could be missing out on because you choose to stay inside of this context and show you the value of what you could be missing out on and give you another perspective of looking at your life with that awareness people just start not everybody but a lot of people start choosing differently because at least they know they have another choice because When you don't know you have another choice, you're just gonna do everything that you know, and that machine's gonna just keep running and running. Well, this is me. This is you don't even know who me is when the essence of life is growth. Before you learned math, that was you. Then you learned math, that was you. So it's safe to say that when you're constantly creating, constantly learning, it will the me who you think that you are, it's constantly it's energy in motion, but it's positioning people in a way to understand that learning and applying and creating is part of forging into your future so that you can look back on where you just came from. So a lot of it is big conversation around awareness and what you're putting your value on because you're going to create that over and over and over. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I resonate with that. I think the other piece, which kind of brings it back a little bit to a question I was asking about earlier as it relates to, and we, we digressed, but around people, because I think one of the key things, and one, it's one of the values, for example, for me, uh, I, you know, there's, there's the adi- old adage many of us have heard, which is you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And to me, there's the inner game, which I agree is absolutely primary as it relates to freedom first has to occur in your mind. But as you start to train, just as you, you use the analogy of the, the dog collar, right, which trains that dog away from freedom. Or we all have the example of a collar in our own life where our fears hold us back from our possibility. But for me, at least, one of the great contexts of creating a new, if you will, like the antidote in the superhero, you know, like, you know, uh, the, all the superheroes have sort of antidotes to the, to the kryptonite, if you will. The antidote to that fear, at least for me, oftentimes is both the inner courage, which obviously has to start within, but then the accountability and the support of the people you have around you, to me at least. Uh, And and one of the things, you know, know, Harvard just did research that showed that the greatest corollary to your long-term health and happiness is the caliber of your long-term relationships. And to me... One of the things that i 've really gotten clear on is how you're, who you associate with influences and reinforces beliefs, either positive or negative right there 's another st- that there 's another saying if you 're the smartest person in the room right you 're in the wrong room and so how do we start to um, create that antidote to the fear by surrounding ourselves with people that inspire us to be that, that version of ourself, that expression of freedom that is our birthright, that we, is, the, is the version of, of who we are that we know we can be. And I'd, lo- I'd just love it if you could share a context, because it sounded like, at least in prison, there was a context where, you know, you had 200 people in your life. That's a lot of people, more than most, but only seven of those folks uh, it sounded like responded. Right. And, you know, it, it, you know, Oprah has a quote uh, where she says, you know, everyone wants to be with you when you're on in the limo. The true test is to see who wants to come with you on the bus, you know. And and so I've really been thinking about that. Right. Every, all of us have, the, for lack of a better term, party friends or friends that are there in fair weather. But how do you find the people that are there for you on the bus? as you're moving towards your vision of freedom or your limo, so to speak. And how do you truly assess how to cultivate those types of relationships and know that they are aligned to your your vision? vision.
1: So this is another good question. One thing you got to be real careful when it comes to talking about this, because A lot of times, people give everything outside of them power
0: Mm.
1: instead of realizing that everything that you're looking for is already inside of you. Mm. So, remove the word people and then replace it with the word reminder. Mm. Because anybody that you attract in your life is reminding you of what your soul already knows. So when people all the time, it's like, oh, you changed my life. I was like, no, I showed you another perspective. You changed your own life. You keep that power. And so a lot of times when people are looking for these high level people, it's because they don't see it in themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it never happens. It's like, well, I'm, I'm looking for a man to complete me or a woman to complete me. If I get this money or if I get this house, then I'll be ready. No, it's how you see yourself. So if you don't see yourself as one of those people, they're not going to want you to be around. Like I'm around, I've been attracting a lot of high caliber people, but I don't see them as beyond, as, as beyond me. I see them as my mirrors. And just like you said earlier, they're like, it's either positive or negative. So the people that you choose to be around you, take the word people out and then just put in reminders. They're reminding you of either your weaker self or they're reminding you of either your stronger self. The more reminders that you have around you, you'll constantly keep seeing your weaker self inside of everyone around you and you'll stay there or you'll constantly keep ref- seeing the reflection of your higher self. When you see your higher self in everyone, naturally, naturally, the, the people are going to change around you. So I'm not going to seek for those people outside of me. I'm seeking for that inside of me so that when I'm around those people, I there's a sense of belonging. I'm not trying to fit in it's like I belong here. Mm-hmm. It's like I was at a table with, you know, uh, friends of mine, Ben and Azria and Gerard Adams and, and, and Peter Crone. And I had never met any of those guys before, but when I was at this 12 person mastermind table, I was hearing all of these amazing concepts and everything, but I wasn't like, Oh my God, I'm blown away. I'm like, I belong here. These are my people. Like, These are my people. These are my reminders of my highest self. But I had to know that within myself first before I even was, you know, at that table. So that's why it was a puzzle piece that was meant because I could see myself and everyone like, oh, my, it wasn't like that. But I had to see that in myself first, which is why I wasn't invited to that table before.
0: Right. Okay. so let's get into this, because. I think the the distinction you're drawing is valuable in that the that who you're it's who you're being that attracts everything in your life, right? Like we we often live in a in a in a fallacy in our culture that if only I have this, then I'll be happy. If only I have this relationship, if I have this thing, this house, this girlfriend, then I'll be happy. Which is totally backwards. It's who we're being that attracts everything in our life. So I I, I resonate with that. But I think for those listening. You know, I think that the key question then is, great, what are the tools you utilized to be who you are such that those reminders of the higher reflection reflection showed showed up? up. That's That's the fundamental question then.
1: Yes. So you carry this language tool. Life's not happening to you. It's responding to you. So... If life is responding to us, well, then you can take the responsibility of really evaluating yourself. How's your attitude? How's your value that you place on yourself? You're like, oh, I don't, you know, nobody likes me. And no, so like really, really take in to your inner self-talk, and what's that inner self-talk? If it's negative. The majority of the time, if, you know, what's your relationship to money? It's like, oh man, I just can't attract no money. I know that it has nothing to do with a piece of paper with perceived value. It's the value in which you see yourself period. And everything is responding to you based off the value in which you see yourself. So if you don't see yourself in value, and this is to answer your question, how do you, in which way do you value yourself? Like, Your thoughts, your inner dialogue, your own health, mind, body, soul, heart, and spirit. I can have a five-minute conversation with somebody. I can hear the negative undertones in their conversation of, oh, that person is doing well. She got over on this. I, I know what that is. What that is is you're reflecting on that person's life according to how you see yourself, which is in comparison So if you're not comparing yourself to yourself, then you've already lost the battle because you've given the power to that person outside of you, which comes right back to how do you value yourself? What are you saying to yourself? Like really monitoring your inner dialogue when anything occurs in life, how do you talk to yourself? How do you treat yourself? What do you think about yourself? Um, So that self-love conversation is the very first thing that I go to. If you have all of this money, but you're extremely overweight, what that tells me is you overcompensate to distract from the love that you don't have in yourself. You know what I'm saying? So you can always tell who's overcompensating in certain areas. Like how did you get in a heart attack when you're 45 years old and you're a multimillionaire, you got all these cars, all these, everything, you have everything but yourself. So it'll come right back to you're either valuing yourself, like how you see yourself in your own eyes or not. Is it, is, is it effective? Is it ineffective? Don't measure it by money. Cause I've seen somebody put a bullet into their brain. They had everything but themselves measure it measured on how you see yourself and if there's anywhere in there when it comes to your health the things that you think about the things that you allow to come out of my oh I'm so stupid no you're not why are you so hard on yourself learn how to forgive yourself be gentle with with this because how you treat this is how everyone is going to treat you
0: you're, you're, you're evoking for me this concept of, of, of ostensibly how you tend your garden, you know? And the question for me is, you know, self-love is a thing that's easy to declare, but harder to embody. It's like, uh, it's, 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 it's something where it's, it's, you know, a lot of folks, whether they talk about, you know, various things, law of attraction or this and that, you know, there's, I, um, I think a lot of people listening would say, I get that I'm supposed to feel a certain way, but if you've had that dog collar on your whole life, at times it can be hard to, uh, to shift, right? So I think one of the things that I think is, is compelling about your, your story is that you have on a couple of different occasions really shifted from a place of um, seemingly a very low place. And 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 now to a place, and I like that you also, because I think it's impor- an important distinction, I think our society values money as a measure of success. And while it is an energy, and uh, not to be uh, undervalued, it is, I'd rather a billionaire be defined by someone who's affected a billion lives rather than accumulated a billion dollars at the expense of other people. Um, but, and and so I think that's a great distinction that said, how have you, and to me, this comes down to, you know, and I'm not saying you've arrived, everything is hunky dory, anything like that. But as someone who, you know, to use things people can understand was in prison, looked like had a decade of prison uh, before them to now. You know, being in a context of abundance financially, being in a context of finding the person who you feel madly in love with, as I understand it, a year into the relationship, moving into a new city in a totally different context. Right. So you've you've created a con- and sitting at a table in your own words with folks that you feel were great reflections of that evolution. What do you feel either in a daily context to break this down? Like, you know, a lot of times people talk about a morning routine. What do you think of what has enabled in a way that's transferable to those listening? What has enabled that inner muscle to be built such that you could move from the, the, the low place to a place that is more a reflection of the vision you had?
1: So I have this thing called um, strategy through the storm, mm. through any storm. And I'm gonna give you five keys that will allow you to literally clear your way through any storm. Number one, and, and the reason why I have this. Because, see, when I was in prison and when I was in car, in my living in my car, I was unaware, which is why those things kept happening to me. And I had to hit rock bottom to come back up, to hit rock bottom, to come back up. You can't change what you're not aware of. So I was, like, unconsciously doing things that I didn't know was getting out until I got on the self-mastery and self-discovery path. I'm like, oh, That's why that happened. I let my ego rise up. Okay, so I start working on evolving in my ego and and being in the element of love. So I started extracting all the lessons and all the things that I did that created who I was being that caused me to up-level myself and allow life to manifest around me through everything that was quote unquote, a hard time because everybody's going to go through hard times, but it depends on how you respond to it and how you look at it determines on the result that happens. So I don't believe in hard times no more. I just call them character building opportunities. So when I call them character building opportunities, I'm focused on building my character and I'm focused on opportunity because on the other side of opportunity is the door to more. So because I poised and postured myself on reframing my thought process and when something becomes difficult, I'm like, Oh, is it a challenge or is it an opportunity for me to level up? So strategy through the storm, number one, write this down. Acceptance. If you do not accept what's in front of your face, if you don't accept what it is, then you'll stay stuck in that mundane of life your entire life. Because if you cannot accept what is, you will never get to the space where you create the space for the next level. So even with this pandemic, people are like, no man, when it's gonna go back to normal. It's not going, I don't want it to go back to how it was before. It's like the universe is challenging us to level up in every area. It's like a cell phone. When you don't update, don't update, up, don't update, it slows your phone down. So maybe our lives have been slowed down to cause us to wake up and actually start thinking and creating again. So when you accept what it is, now you'll have more brain space and more energy capacity to actually create what can be from the space of acceptance. So number one, acceptance. Number two is to build. Build and create. Once you accept, then you start building and creating from there. Now, any time that you create and you focus your mind on building, it's going to operate, it's going you're going to create stimulation just like a cell phone. When they when they let go of the old camera, it makes space for the new camera. So that's why people are standing in lines for like 2 days to get the new iPhone because there's so much stimulation. We can actually do that to ourselves, but we got to manually do it. So it's like when you're Really, like, what can I create? What can I create? Focus on the world's problems, whatever. People are unhealthy. People are dissatisfied. Why are they dissatisfied? When you start creating in that area, now you access a higher, uh, a, 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 a higher uh, power stimulation. And so when you're stimulated, you're using more of your brain power. So first is acceptance. Number two is create. Okay. Number three, like my man Bruce Lee says, be water, my friends. When you start flowing like water, what you do is you start adapting according to the environment. You know, a water is flowing down a river and then it doesn't see a a rock and says, oh no, there's a rock. It doesn't allow me to do what I've always done. No, what does the water do? It shapes. And it shifts and it figures out a way to go around the rock. And then guess what it does? Starts right back on the path that it was headed on. So when you allow yourself to be water in any situation, you will then adapt, which causes you to stimulate yourself and stimulate the people around you. So number one is acceptance. Number two, create. Number three, be water. Adapt to the environment. Madonna and Cyndi Lauper both came out at the same time, both blonde hair, blue eyes, both number one records. Well, guess what? Madonna evolved with time. She can put out a record right now in her 60s and it will go platinum. Cyndi Lauper cannot do that because she never evolved with the time. She's respected for girls just want to have fun at age 70. You see what I'm saying? But not to take anything away, but there was... She adapted and evolved with times. We have 75% water inside of our brain and our bodies, 75% water in the world. You think it's an accident? No, there is the process of evolution living on the inside of us. So when we actually evolve, that is life. So that's number three. Number four, connect, connect with people. <laughs> like, there's something so beautiful about connecting with humans, it's shared energy, shared power. Something happens a lot of times, people during when they feel stuck, they close in, they close themselves in. No, whatever you've got to do, share space, fill out, a, uh, figure out a way where you can build people up, support somebody in getting out of their own stuff. You're often rewarded with a random thought of a new idea when you're helping other people through their own stuff. Just take time to connect with yourself, connect with other other people. That's number four. And number five, this is a huge, huge, huge one. Are you ready? Lock in to your why. Whatever it is that you're doing, what you're doing for, and if you don't have one, create one. You got to dig deep to build high. If you want to retire your mom, if you want to provide for your own life, your own family, with you closing in, listen, people don't do what you say. They do what they see. You're actually training them how to close in just like you. So when you lock into why you're doing it, it accesses a different power source. There's more power in the Pacific Ocean than there are in the rivers. The ocean is where all the power is. It feeds all the rivers. Why are you focused on the rivers? Focus on the ocean. So when you focus on your why, that's a bigger capacity. It's going to feed everything that you do. So when you lock in to where the power source is, and you do those five things, you will actually navigate yourself through any trial or tribulation because of who you're being, and that is the five keys, the strategy through the storm.
0: I love it. I also love that you use the storm analogy because I feel like that's it, right? Like I feel like the way pe- many people, at least that they, they reflect to me on the, uh, you know, on the, uh, the emails or whatnot I get is. You know, it's like people are like in heavy waters, you know, and uh, and it's like they're looking for that lighthouse, you know, they're looking for that way home. And I love that notion because you get concrete of, okay, here is sort of like how do what are the tenants I need to go back to to sort of calm the waters within. Right. Like they talk about in Vedic meditation, you know, we, we think of the mind and we think of our thoughts. In the way that we look at an iceberg above the waves, right? Above the waters. But that actually, like our mind in terms of our beliefs, is that's like a tiny fraction. Mostly it's the it's the iceberg beneath the waters that our subconscious beliefs that are determining so much of our life, right? And so to me, one of my great tools has been meditation in terms of calming, in, in terms of calming those inner waters, in terms of that inner work and, and that and that way of being. Do you feel I know one of the things I, I just saw you give Peter Crohn for example, the sign on your door, and I thought that was very unique um, in terms of affirmations and declarations. I know that you're big on repeating um, are there like are there a, so you gave, just gave us five things, but is there a concrete practice, whether it be gratitude, repetition what are the what are what are a few as we sort of move to wrap this conversation up for now, though it won't be our last? What are some of the tools that you utilize like for me meditation um, to help to continue to to sharpen the saw and to continue to be like, uh, you know, and I, I know because from my research, you know, if you don't continue to do it right, it's like you could be you could do something great for three years. But if you take two weeks off all of a sudden you've sort of, the saw has been dulled, if you will. So what are the, what are the, what are your sort of, what are the Garen Jones like secret sauce superhero sort of tools, if you will, that you utilize to keep the mind sharp?
1: And I love the fact that you said that you take a shower every day for 30, for 30 years,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you'd be clean. You stop for five days and you ask, why do I stink? I took a shower for 30 years. Because the whole objective is to do it every day. The whole objective is to brush your teeth every day so it would be fresh breath. But if you don't brush it for five days, you know, so when people, they're like, oh, I'm just having a problem. I'm like, when was the last time you actually did personal development or you listened to an audio book that helped you strengthen your mind and, and things? They're like, oh, it's been like two weeks, so like times have been hard. That's like saying I haven't taken a shower for two weeks and wonder why you stink. You've got to (laughs) refresh your mind every day. And the whole purpose of doing it every day is the continuous repetition is to literally override 20, 30 years of thinking the same way. So if you imagine the momentum a locomotive train has and the strength that Superman has and what happens when it first when Superman first gets there, it's like, boom, it actually pushes Superman back because of the momentum. So he's got to push with 10 times the velocity to get it to go back the other other way. So when you're wanting to reframe and I don't like really believe in change, it's kind of like remind yourself of what your soul already knows or break back into who it's like, not breakthrough, but break back into who you've been this entire time. Remember, yeah. The keys to transform is to override your current domestication. That's like learning a new language. You've got to immerse yourself in that new language. So, for the question that you asked, it's like it's the immersion of the affirmations. You consider your mind like a concrete block. Well, If you drop a seed on concrete, nothing's going to happen. But what's underneath concrete? Dirt and soil. So what do they do? They have a drill. It doesn't just happen once. It goes over and 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 over. Boom! And then it opens up. The seed drops in. Then it's planted. Then all of a sudden, growth happens. So telling yourself certain affirmations for me on a daily gratitude, you know, for anybody that's keep it simple, I was like, list out loud 20 things that you're grateful for every day, every day, because it keeps your mind focused on gratitude. Gratitude is associated with love. Love is what causes all things to birth and grow and that energy of creativeness and Babies are born from it. Like we're all born into it. We just learn how to do everything else. So when you're using (laughs) the frequencies of your heart, which is the most powerful frequency in the world, the EKGs of the heart is the most powerful frequency in the world. And most people don't use it. They use something outside of them. So, when you're grateful and you say, I'm grateful for this, I'm grateful for being alive, I'm grateful for my slightly crooked nose, I'm grateful for my hair, I'm grateful, like I'm great every day, you charge yourself up. And when you present that self to the world, people are benefiting from the overflow that you first. Give to yourself. And I won't get too scientific because you, gotta, you can't give the baby pre-calculus. The ABCs to understanding constant evolution and transformation starts in the heart. And maybe you don't have to go to prison like I did. So maybe you can have this, this tool that I had to learn the hard way to get by being grateful every day. Being grateful for who you are, why you are, being grateful for the weather, being grateful for just humanity, being grateful for your skin color, being grateful for people just like period every day and train your mind to actually focus on gratitude. You'll then start to see the good in everything. When you then start to see the good in everything, the good in everything will show up for you on a daily basis. Mm. I
0: love that. I love that. I, I couldn't resonate with that more. I feel like when, when you are, and you, it's tangible, you can't be in judgment. You can't be in anger and be in gratitude at the same time. I feel like right. gratitude is the language and expression of love. And I, I totally um, resonate with this idea of living from the heart. Um, so I, I really appreciate you on that. Last, last couple of questions. If you were to choose, and I know you read a lot uh, well, we, when you're in prison, and I know you read a lot now. If you were to choose two or three books that you feel would be of great service to the audience, um, what are your two or three favorite books?
1: So, and I'm going to encourage everybody to try this on. Because there's different ways that the human psychology receives, receives information. Every book that I suggest, get it in paperback and audiobook. because when you read things, you'll read it in your own voice. When you get the audiobook, you now have a mentor. So when it's like a it's like a mentor and reading it in your own voice, is I feel the quickest way to get things living inside of your body, not reading books for memory, because I know lots of people who read and they can quote everything, but their life looks nothing like what's coming out of their mouth. And the only true Testament shows your level of like knowledge or wisdom is what shows up as the, you know, the physical equivalent in your life instead of reading a book for memory, read it for mastery. Mm. And so I would suggest, you know, for people that are like spiritual, you know, anybody who knows me, they know I'm a follower. I'm a follower of Christ, but my message is for everybody. That's why my best friend is Muslim. My other best friend is Jewish. And so it's like my message of love is for all of humanity. So for people that are, like spiritual and they're followers of Christ. I highly suggest the power of positive thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. It's a book on Christian principles, but it's principles that all of humanity can use. Cause it's like love, peace, happiness and things like that. Um, so that's one. Number two is a book by Rhonda Byrne's called the power And that is all about practicing gratitude, practicing love, and all these different things. So she's the lady that did the secret. So The Power is such, such a great book. Now, there's Napoleon Hill. He has a book called Think and Grow Rich. I'm not talking about this book. He has another book called Grow Rich with Peace of Mind. That book is so powerful because it teaches you how to stay in your tranquility, stay in your calm state while potentially achieving the life that you want. I know a bunch of rich people or wealthy people who are only wealthy on the surface, but without the peace of mind. When you practice that level of peace, not too many things that can break those walls and it's got a lot of things inside of grow rich with peace of mind that can give you awareness to how you can powerfully choose to show up in this world as you acquire all the things according to who you're being in this life
0: Mm. I love it, I love it, I'm going to check it out, encourage everyone listening to check it out, out. for For those keen to follow up up with you here, here, where where is the best place to find find you online?
1: So um well my website is in it's in reconstruction right now so don't hit that up but you can if you want to it's garenjones.com but definitely my Instagram which is garen.jones my Facebook garen jones and I also have my book Change Your Mindset Change Your Life that's on Amazon in paperback and um and um the the online version in Spanish and English Um, So you can find that I wrote it very simple to make it easy to read for people who are just learning this transformational work and on how to understand the powers that live inside of them so they they can use it and potentially produce extraordinary results in their lives. And um, yeah, you can you can find me there anywhere online.
0: Okay, fantastic. I definitely recommend uh, folks listening. Check it out. Um, And my final question for now garen i know you're a big believer in freedom and in the potentiality of the mind um for those listening uh you know this is the peak mind podcast for those listening on ig live um and you can check this out this will come out this week but i often ask guests especially those that are oriented towards the power of the liberation of the mind what is your vision of a peak mind
1: my vision of a peak mind is living a life without regrets. Mm. You, when you get to your deathbed, your physical body is about to leave this earth. You know, you left it all on the table and you're happy to go. Mm. But the way you chose to live your life will carry on And the millions you have impacted. That's what's up. I
0: love that. I often think about the eulogy exercise and thinking about if you were to hear the words of your loved ones reflecting on the impact that you've made in their lives, how would you want to uh, be remembered? And then to live your life commensurate with what you evoke in the hearts and lives of those people you've touched. Uh, so that's, I think, such a beautiful reminder. Garen Jones, thank you so much for your wisdom. Thank you for your truth. Uh, I'm very grateful for us getting to know each other. I'm very excited to see you in Austin. And uh, <laughs> it's been, it's a pleasure and it, it will be the start of uh, many more conversations. So much love to you and thank, thank, you, thank you so much. much.
1: for your For sure as well. And thank you so much for this platform to, for these conversations to actually happen so we can support people and their their you know whatever they're seeking. So thank you again for creating the space. A pleasure, my man. A pleasure.
0: And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Garen Jones. If you did, please go ahead and hit us up at Garen.jones on Instagram at Michael Trainer on Instagram. Uh, tag us with a, a story uh telling us what you got from the episode. I'll I'll share it out. Always love receiving your feedback. As always you can hit me up anytime um, at Michael Trainer and let me know what you're loving, um, any challenges, um, any guests you'd love to see on the show. Uh, please go ahead and leave us a rating and review over on iTunes, subscribe if you haven't, and share this episode with anyone you think uh, would benefit from the message. With that, I'm, I'm so grateful for your guys' time, your energy, for your, for your listening. I do not take it for granted. It means the world to me. And I'm sending you guys so much love. Please go out there and live your inspired life.